Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. It's so good to be with you here at our Carmel campus this morning. And those of you joining us online, thanks for being here. It's always a treat. I'm usually at our Noblesville campus. Once in a while, they let me come and speak to you fine folks. So it's good to be with you again today. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend our time today, Luke chapter 10. If you don't own a Bible, by the way, we would love to give you one. You can stop by our info hub after the service and uh, tell the folks there you'd like to have a Bible. It's our gift to you. But again, Luke chapter 10. Uh, If you've been with us the last couple weeks, as Michael mentioned, you know we've been focusing on what the Bible has to say about love. That's why we're calling this series The Summer of Love. And it's a really important topic because love is an essential uh, attribute for those who are Christians. In fact, we read in Mark chapter 12 that when Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was, here's how he replied. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, there is no commandment greater than these. So as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to loving God and to loving our neighbors. Now, we're going to look at what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength when I teach again in July. I'll be back over here, and we'll take a look at that. Uh, But today, I want to focus on that second commandment, and specifically, what does it mean for us to love our neighbor as ourself? And as I mentioned before, the scripture we're going to look at is in Luke 10, and it's where we find the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, that likely everyone in this room has at least heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you haven't ever read it before, you likely have at least heard someone use that phrase, he's a Good Samaritan or she's a Good Samaritan. Uh, But it's perhaps the most well-known parable that Jesus ever told, and it actually tells us a lot about what it means to be uh, a good neighbor and to love our neighbor. Let's read it together. Luke 10, starting in verse 25, it says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So Jesus encounters this man and uh, he's described as an expert in the law and he calls Jesus teacher, but he's really trying to give the teacher a test. He wants the crowd to see that Jesus can't handle a, a deep theological question. And so the man asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus does what he often did when someone's trying to trap him with words. And he turns the question around back to the expert. And he says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, Jesus says, hey, you're the expert. You tell me. And the expert answers, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And Jesus affirms his answer. But then he says, Do this and you will live. And that's interesting and that's important because he knew that this man was an expert in knowing, 
but not an expert in doing. This man knew all of the right answers, but he wasn't actually doing any of it. And Jesus wants him to see that it isn't enough just to know the right answer. You've got to actually do it. You've got to actually put what you know into practice. Well, that makes this man, this expert in the law, very uncomfortable. And so we read in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the man's going to try and justify himself by very narrowly defining uh, the word neighbor. And it's in response to that question then that Jesus explains what it means to love your neighbor by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's the setup for our parable today. Let's read it together. Starting in verse 30, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to, be, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus finishes with this question to the expert in the law. He asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now for us today, reading this parable in America in the 21st century, we miss some of the controversy that is inherent to the story that Jesus just told. Uh, there are some cultural tensions in this parable which would have caused extreme discomfort for those listening. Let me give you an example. You maybe notice the, the cast of characters in this parable. Besides the man who gets beaten and robbed, we have three main characters. And the first is a priest. And the office of priest in Israel was of supreme importance. This was a, a person of high status. The priest represented the people before God. He offered the various sacrifices that were required by the law. And everyone hearing this parable would have recognized, hey, this, this is a person of, of ultimate importance. That's the priest. And then next, Jesus introduces a Levite. And Levites weren't quite as distinguished as the priests, but they were still a privileged group. In Jewish society, the Levites were responsible for the liturgy. They were uh, responsible for the protection of the temple. They had other religious duties as well. So there was still a, a certain amount of status, a certain amount of importance that was understood about the Levites. And those who were listening to Jesus tell this story were likely thinking, okay, I see where this is going. Jesus has introduced a, a, a Jewish man of high rank. He's introduced a Jewish man of slightly lower rank. And in the minds of the listeners, the natural progression then would have been for the third character to be just a common Jewish man. That would make sense. But the third character is a complete surprise. And this is where the tension comes in, because instead of introducing a common Jewish man, Jesus introduces a Samaritan. 
And what's the big deal about including a Samaritan? Well, remember that Jesus is speaking to a largely Jewish audience. What we need to understand is that Samaritans were despised by the Jews. Now, why was that? Well, first of all, because Samaritans weren't full-blooded Jews. They, they were part Israelite and part something else. And because of that, the Jews didn't want anything to do with them. Secondly, though, Samaritans believed in the same law as the Jews, but they worshipped in a different location. The Jews thought you had to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worshipped at a place called Mount Gerizim. And the Jews viewed uh, that, that worship in the wrong place as heretical at best. It was sacrilegious. It was absolutely unacceptable. And so in the eyes of the Jews, the Samaritans were half-breeds and heretics and the racial and religious contempt between those two groups uh, was intense. But Jesus uses a Samaritan as the hero in the parable to make a point. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter your status in society uh, or how much you know. What matters is what you actually do. Again, it's not a matter of knowing. It's a matter of doing. And it's something that Jesus wanted this so-called expert to understand. And through this parable, Jesus teaches four qualities of what it means to be a neighbor. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. It's that a neighbor is aware. A neighbor is aware. If you want to be a neighbor, you've got to have a certain amount of awareness. And this is what we see in the parable. Both the, the priest and the Levite, they cross to the other side of the street to get away from the injured man. They don't want to be aware. But that's not what the Samaritan does. Look again at, at verse 33. It says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The Samaritan saw the wounded man. He became aware of the need, and the text says he took pity on him. He allowed his heart to do what any of our hearts should do when we see a person in that situation. His, his eyes saw the man, his heart was engaged, and he was moved by what he saw. You know, I think a lot of us have gotten really good at protecting our hearts from the hurt and from the needs that are all around us. And I'm afraid that, that far too many of us are content to act just like the priest and the Levite and to simply look the other way because quite honestly, we'd rather not see. We'd rather not be aware. We'd rather not allow our hearts to feel anything so that we don't have to get involved. And so we see a need or, or we see a needy person and our, our first thought is just to get away from it, right? Not my monkeys, not my circus, I'm out. But I love what Mark, Martin Luther King Jr. said about this. He said, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? See, when you approach others with a question like that, then once you become aware of a need, your heart becomes engaged and you feel a sense of obligation to get involved and to do something. And so let me just ask you this morning, are you aware of the people who God has placed around you? Now, I'm talking about the people in your neighborhood, the people at your school, the people at your work, the people where you shop, the, the people at the park where your kids play, those people aren't there by accident. 
And God has put them there in order for us to be aware, to see them, to, to recognize the needs around us. And for us to be obedient in this area of loving our neighbors, it has to begin with awareness. We have to open our eyes and recognize the people and the needs that are all around us. That's the first step. The second is this. We see in the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, that he wasn't only aware, but a neighbor also has access. A neighbor has access. Look again at verse 34. It says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So we read that that the Good Samaritan went to him. He went to him. He had access to this man, and he didn't wait. He got down on the ground with the man. He poured on oil, and he poured on wine, and he bandaged the man's wounds. And we hear that, and that sounds a little bit weird to us, but in the first century, oil was commonly used on a wound to, to keep the skin supple, and wine would have been used to clean the wound and to disinfect it. And uh, in all of this, we see that the Good Samaritan was going to great effort to care for this man, for this hurting man. And it reminds me of something that Francis Chan wrote on his blog several years ago. Uh, Some of you are familiar with that name, Francis Chan. He's a a famous speaker and author uh, and pastor. But uh, he had served in San Francisco with a young man named Josh, and he wrote about his experience with this young man. And I just want to read it for you. Francis wrote, Josh is a 20-year-old guy that I serve with on Sunday afternoons. And this past Sunday, he asked me to pray for an elderly homeless woman who he had befriended. She was attacked and beat up badly the night before. I saw the picture and couldn't believe anyone would do that to a defenseless old lady. It's disgusting. It's hard not to get angry when you see this kind of wickedness. Well, Josh went back to her that night to see if she would be willing to stay at his friend's house, and she didn't feel comfortable going anywhere, so Josh decided to sleep on the sidewalk near her to protect her, and he has spent the past three nights sleeping on the streets to make sure nothing happens to her. Isn't that incredible? Like, I get emotional just imagining that scene. What an incredible example of what it means to love your neighbor And there are people who God has put in your path and given you access to so that you can do the same thing. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to sleep on the streets, but but if you're a student, I mean, think about during the school year when when you're riding the bus or you're in the cafeteria or or maybe you're you're on a break and, and there's that kid that's always alone. You know the one I'm talking about, right? A little bit awkward, doesn't really fit in, probably gets picked on quite a bit. But I'm telling you, God has given you access to that person for a reason. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and maybe God's given you access to some other moms in your neighborhood, some moms who are, are desperate for some friendship and desperate for someone to care enough about them to invest in their life. Maybe you work a full-time job, and, and your work demands a lot of you. I mean, when you're at work, you've got to be focused on work. But have you ever considered that the people you work with every day are the very people God has given you access? access to so that you can reach them with the love of Christ. Who is it that God wants you to be aware of? Who is it that he has given you access to? And if you really don't know, I would encourage you to start your day simply praying, God, just make me aware today. Make me aware. Help, help me to see the people. Open my eyes to, to see the people who you've given me access to. And he'll show you. He'll answer that prayer. 
And when he does, recognize this also. It's the third thing we see in the parable, that a neighbor has ability. Uh, look at the second half of verse 34 again. It says that the good Samaritan put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So, so the good Samaritan not only offered his time and his effort, but he even gave of his finances to help this man in need, this complete stranger. What's more, the Samaritan said that he would take care of any extra expense when he returned. He didn't just wish the man well and then leave him with the bill. He did everything necessary to make sure that the man would be well, care, well cared for. And uh, I love what Margaret Thatcher said about this once. She said, no one would have remembered the good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. And uh, I, I love that because it's still true for us today, isn't it? That if all we have are good intentions, you know, we, we hear about the opportunities, we see the needs around us, but all we do is we say, man, that, that's terrible. I hope that works out for those folks. What good is that? Loving our neighbor is going to require some things of us. It's going to require some time. It's going to require some attention. It's going to require some effort. And yes, it's going to require our resources. But this is why it's so important for us to never lose sight of the fact that everything we have has been given to us by God. We are not the owners of it. We are the stewards of it. He owns everything. And if the greatest commandments are for us to love God and to love our neighbors, then we should be continually looking at our resources, our time, our finances, our skills, our material possessions. We should be looking at those things and asking God, like, how can I use these things to love you and to love people? How can I re uh, leverage everything that you've given me for your kingdom and for your glory? That's what we see in the Good Samaritan. He not only had awareness, he not only had access, but he had the ability also. And he used his resources to help the man in need. Now, Jesus finishes the parable by giving the expert in the law a direct charge in verse 37. It says, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And here we see the fourth thing that Jesus teaches about being a neighbor and this really is the most important of all. It's that a neighbor takes action. A neighbor takes action. I wonder if you've noticed what all three men in the story had in common. They all saw the same man in need, right? They were all aware. They all had equal access to the man. And they likely all had some ability to get involved and to help. They had all these things in common, but the difference was in their response. See, the priest and the Levite, they distanced themselves from the man. They walked to the other side of the street because they didn't want to be aware. They didn't want to have access. They didn't want to have to use their abilities and get involved. They wanted to ignore the situation and get out of there as quickly as possible. But the Samaritan responded differently. He took action. In using this parable, Jesus not only answered the question of who is my neighbor, but he also asked us a question. The question, what kind of a neighbor are you? 
And that's really important for us to consider because you may have all the qualities necessary to be a good neighbor, but without action, it means nothing. Without taking action, we are just walking on the other side of the street, ignoring our neighbors. But the Samaritan took action and Jesus says to the expert in the law and to you and I today, go and do likewise. We have to be willing to go and do likewise. And I want to tell you this morning, that's why Genesis Church is committed to partnerships with organizations like the Cooper House and Shepherd Community Center and Food for Souls. It's why we support ministries like Last Bell in Ukraine and Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti and Opportunities Now in, in Myanmar. It's the reason why we, we do things like collecting food for kids who are food insecure over spring break and blankets for the homeless. And it's why we're in the middle of this school drive right now. All of this is because we recognize the great responsibility we have to loving our neighbors. But I want to caution you about something. Because in all that I just mentioned, there is a chance that we could feel like we are a part of loving our neighbors collectively without ever taking responsibility personally. That we could give nothing of our time or our ability or our resources, but still feel like we're doing a pretty good job at this because we're a part of a church that does these things. But if we are not personally taking action, we should not believe in obedience by association. That is not a thing. Obedience to this command means each and every one of us taking the example of the Good Samaritan and then going and doing likewise. So let me ask you, how are you doing when it comes to loving your neighbor? Are you putting this into practice? And maybe you're realizing this morning that, that your love for others is lacking. Maybe you're recognizing that, man, I, I really haven't done a very good job at this. I haven't paid enough attention to this, this area. If that's you, please do not think that the remedy is simply to try harder. Okay, the remedy is not to, to press on your will. It's not to beat yourself up, to, to guilt yourself or to shame yourself. That is not the answer. The real cure for a lack of love is always to look at Jesus and to remember who he is and what he has done and what he has promised to do, and then to let that motivate us to love. See, we have a tendency uh, to think that in this parable, and really in any parable, that we are the hero. We read this, and, and we think that we are supposed to be the good Samaritan. Isn't it funny how, how we always put ourselves in that hero role? Remember, it said that the expert in the law wanted to justify himself, and if we're being honest, like that's what we want to do too, right? We, in our hearts, we, our natural desire is to want to justify ourselves. I'm the good Samaritan, but I want to suggest to you this morning that you are not. You are not the hero of the story. I am not the hero of the story. Jesus is. And this parable is actually a beautiful illustration of the gospel, because just as the man had been beaten and robbed, so had our sin robbed us of life and of hope and of peace with God. And just as that man was left bloody and half dead by the side of the road, so had our sin left us helpless and hopeless and utterly dead. And just as the good Samaritan was walking in a country not his own, so did Jesus leave his rightful place in heaven to walk among us. 
And just as the good Samaritan saw the man in his desperate condition, so did Christ see us dead in our sin and headed for hell. Just as the good Samaritan had access to the man, so did Jesus access us by adding humanity to his deity. And just as the Samaritan had ability, Jesus, because of his sinless life, was the only one with the ability to break the power of sin and to offer us the forgiveness we so desperately need. And just as the good Samaritan took action, Action, doing everything necessary to provide for the man's well-being. So by the cross has Christ done everything necessary to rescue you, to redeem you, and to restore you to a place of hope and peace with God. Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. He has met the greatest need of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, and his perfect righteousness offered to you. Have you received it? Have you believed in the name of Jesus? John writes in his gospel that the, to those who do, to those who receive him, who believe in his name, he has given us the right to be called the children of God. If you have not done that, I want you to hear me clearly. Simply applying the principles of the Good Samaritan to your life will gain you nothing. It will help you not at all. True love for others will only flow from a heart that understands and embraces the love of God. 1 John 4:19 says, "We love because he has first loved us. It's only because of God's love for us. It's only because he had awareness. It's only because he had access and ability. It's only because he took action that we are able to love others at all. And so first, we surrender to his love by receiving and believing in his son, Jesus Christ. And then we obey his command to love our neighbor. Which of those do you need to do today? Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much that you so loved the world, that you sent your one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You did not send your son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Father, thank you that you made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Jesus. And Father, we pray this morning as we've read in your word these greatest commandments to love you with everything that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, we recognize that, that we've fallen short of both of those things. We ask you to forgive us. God, we thank you that you love us in spite of our mistakes and our failures but we want to do better. We want to be uh, people who walk as Jesus walked. And so even as we recognize that Jesus is the good Samaritan, that, that he is the hero of the story, we want our lives to be patterned after him. And so Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you help us in this? Would you help us to be aware? Would you help us to access those around us? to recognize the ability, the resources you've given us and to use them for your kingdom and to be people who are known for taking action, God, not because we're trying to earn your love, but because you have freely given us your love. Thank you, God. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.